Hi, this is Red Femme, and we have episodes on Spotify and Apple every single Monday. We also have a bonus episode released on Patreon every Thursday. Yeah, so if you'd like to get a bonus episode, support the show, cover our costs, that would be that would be great. You can find the link to our Patreon in all our socials. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about body count, the term that has been all over Twitter in the last month. And it's been all over the red pill space for the last 18 months, two years, something, I don't know. I've just found out about the red pill thing incredibly recently. I didn't know it was so much of a thing. Oh, really? Well, I mean, I knew people, I heard people talking about it, but I remember the first time I heard red pill must have been 2013, 14. And it was like during like big time manosphere, mm. when the manosphere was just kicking off on 4chan and stuff. And I just thought, oh, well, it's just like men's rights activism but it also seemed like gen z have has turned into like more of like a dating strategy yeah basically well i think it was repopularized by andrew tate and the Mm. fact that he was everywhere in the summer of 2022 he was like the most googled man for at least a month of that summer and of course kids were off school during the summer so they saw all this shit and yeah now it's really been incorporated as a value system of this, you know, this idea of if you're a woman, you need to have a low body count because you need to hang on to your value and it detracts with every man. We should explain what body count is. It's how many people you slept with. I always remember it being called notch. Your notch count, like how many notches you have in your belt. Right, or your notches on the bedpost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this idea that if you're a man with a high body count, it shows that you can be really appealing and attractive to women. So it works completely different directions. Yes. Opposite directions for men and women. And the reason I bring this up is that a Radio 4 producer messaged me on Instagram. No, I'm going to tell it. Yeah, you should. Messaged me on Instagram and said, Hi, Jen, do you want to come on the show this Friday? Uh, some, like, our show to talk about body count. I saw your tweets about it, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, sure. And she said, okay, can I give you a phone call today? So I said, fine. She rang me. And she kind of said, oh, you know, for background, can I just, I just want to ask you a couple questions. Um, so what do you think about blah, 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 body counts? And I kind of, it's said what I've said in previous episodes about how like slut shaming as a concept has died. This is not a defense anymore no. for women sleeping around with even more than a handful over a lifetime, it seems. And she kind of was just, oh, okay, well, but what, you know, what's wrong with women sleeping around? And I well, there's nothing, I don't think there's anything wrong with it per se. This is the understanding. Anyway, she's kind of mined me for information for about an hour. And I could hear her like furiously typing the whole time. And I started to click towards the end that what she was really doing was research. Yeah. And the way that you can get someone to talk to you is you say, oh, would you like to come on the show? And then when you get a yes, you're like, okay, they're willing. Because I'm offering this carrot that doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. And then you go, yeah, sure, I'll speak to you today. I'll take an hour out of my day. I, mean, I didn't think it would be an hour. I genuinely thought she was just going to see that, A, I can speak well, and that I was who I said I was, and that I could make sense. Yeah. And, you know, that would be it, really. I just have had this experience with journalists so many times. And it's yeah. just, it's bizarre because there's also, like, an entitlement. Like, the amount of journalists who've asked just for my work or my work and colleagues' work, like, whole cloth just yeah. to have. And you're like, oh, but, like, what's this for? And well, are you going to credit me? And 
well, this happens to me about once a year, but I always forget that this is what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So therefore I, I, get, I fall for it again. Yeah. But they are, and I'm sorry to any journalists, listeners, they are vultures. They are thieves. Because what they want to do, they don't want to have to listen to all the material that's out there. They don't want to have to condense it. They don't want to have to think of their own analysis, get their own commentary. What they're doing is saying, I want a consultation with you, but I'm not going to pay you. Yeah. Even though you've done research on this and blah, blah, and I have in South Korea, these kind of celibacy movements and so on, voluntary celibacy for women, and the incel one that is pretty big there in men. It's like, it, it's just easier for them yeah. to go. But if they said, look, you're a bit of an expert, or I think you might be, just, you know, I want to speak to you and explain things to me. To be honest, I might do it. Because I'd be like, great, I want this analysis to be out there because I think it's yeah. the correct one. Yeah. I would oh, I would almost certainly have said yes. Yeah. But I wouldn't have had... I was, like, rearranging my Friday. I was, like, thinking, like, oh, God, do I, am I really up for this? Like, I was like, you know what I mean? When you run things through your head and you're like, okay, fine, yeah, I can do it. And fine. Like, there were reasons why I didn't want to. Like, who listens to Radio 4? Yeah. Like, legacy media is dead, and I'm so glad that it is dying. I hate the mainstream media. Most journalists I've ever given a quote to, only one has ever not misquoted me. Yeah. So I also won't give quotes to journalists unless it's over email. Yeah. And it's concrete. That is it. Yeah. Because they just like they just write the article they want to write. That's it. And yeah. it's not your not your tone. It's not even it's not what you fucking said. Anyway, so I felt the next day, I kind of knew by the end of the phone call, like that was a research exercise because she just kept asking. I had to explain to her like cuck porn. And then she was like, okay, so what's cuckolding exactly? And I was just like, what planet do you live on? Yeah. Like, if you don't know about this stuff, that's fine. But why are you in your job? You're in your job because you're good at deceiving people. This is, again, I don't want to brand middle class people. but They're so good in the art of self-advancement. Yeah. You're good at getting what you want and getting ahead. So you're like, I will, in a deceptive way, offer something to someone. And then when I get a yes, mm. they're pliable. And I, I don't know what's like... And I, sometimes I see people going like, oh, I didn't get credit for this or that. And I think, well, that kind of idea is out in the atmosphere already. Yeah. You can't really, whatever. But when you're asking me for my work and you're like, can I read this essay that you've written? Or can I see the text of this presentation that you've given? And then I go, yeah, okay. Or I go, why? Either I go, yeah, okay, and give it, and then it shows up somewhere without yeah. without crediting me. Yeah. Or I go, why? And they stop replying. Yeah, what yeah. is the problem with saying, I spoke to political commentator Hannah Borelli, or I spoke to Dr. Jennifer Isaacson about this, and this is what they... Like, what? Why can't you just do that? Yeah. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I don't... I, I it's can't... A, no, what it is. It's about passing it off as their own work. That's exactly what it is. I just, just, it's like asking yeah. to borrow your friend's homework. Yeah, yeah. And then you go, all right, I did this work and you didn't. And I guess there's a bit of like a hot take slash like think piece economy mm. where they all feel like they have to have these think pieces, but none of them actually know what's going on in the world or something. So then they have mm. to like steal from people. Look, middle class people live in a bubble. Like you're always telling me that I'm quite naive about how right wing people are. Yeah, It's because are. the most right wing people I know are like... Soft liberals. I like you know, you know some like Tory like Church of England values like 
no one should be destitute. Oh, it's quite backwards to be anti-gay. Yeah. Like, that's... Support gay marriage, support abortion against wars. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, I basically... It's almost like people that would be on the the centre-right of the Labour Party because of their class vote Tory. And so I think, oh, that's that's the end of, like, right-wing unreasonableness. And I'm so shocked when it's not. All the time. Because in my world, in my bubble... There's lots of friendly far-left people, lots of generally left-wing people, and people that are, like, centrist, and I count them as, like, oh, they're not very left-wing. <laughs> and I just think that's the end of the spectrum. So people people end up with a kind of perspective based on, really, their position, like yeah. who they know, their social position often, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, in the end on this show, they had a actor like a minor actor and i say that because he only has 800 followers on twitter and who who says he's a dating coach i mean he has a youtube channel and gets like a couple hundred views for most videos max i tried listening to one and he's not very good because he doesn't he speaks for too long and doesn't make points anyway so this guy and then they had a woman who'd written a book called like rude women or something Mm -hmm. and she was the kind of classic liberal feminist archetype who said lots of contradictory things, um, you know, like she was saying, oh, it doesn't matter what your body count is. And he was saying, no, it's not, but people don't like talking about it. So there's something there. And she said, oh, I don't understand. I don't understand the, the issue. And he went, okay, what's your body count? And she said, 11. And then the host said, ho, 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 you just said that women can just lie about it and that's fine. And she was like, well, I wish it would be higher. I wish it was 90, but there's only so many hours in the day. Ha, ha, ha. It's like, mate, if you wanted it to be 90, it could be 90 by the end of next month. Yeah. You don't mean what you're saying. No. And she just said, oh, I don't understand why anyone would go to a dating coach. Dating for me has been wonderful. It's just like, yeah, women live in a wonderful world. where." And she said, oh, my friends all the time go out and they say, oh, I just want to go home tonight with a man and feel the weight of a man on me. Well, you can, but they're not. Yeah. So they're not talking about actuality. What are they, you know, maybe this is a hypothetical ideal. So it was just about framing the conversation within this very narrow confines of kind of heterosexual bartering. It's also liberals, including liberal feminists, are so hyper-emotionally attached to this idea that women are just as promiscuous as men. Yeah. They really, like, need to believe it. It's, like, a core thing for them. And if you're like, well, hold on, like, but, you know, um, intercourse is much more risky for women. There's lots of, like, logical reasons for why yeah. this wouldn't be the case. Well, that's what I had to say to this woman. She just you was know. like, well, what's wrong with, you know, a woman that goes on lots of dates and sleeps with lots of men after every date? And I said, well, at the moment, for young women, so this is women who aren't married in their 20s and doing this thing of... You know, generally, I think that in your 20s is, or it used to be, the most promiscuous time of your life, or your dating life for women. And she said, oh, what's wrong, what's wrong with it? And I said, well, most Gen Z women report that the usual dating offer by a man is a drive round in his car. And I'm not lying about that. That is usually the first offer. And then what women really want is to go for dinner. And they end up potentially, if they can, raising the bar from a drive round in a car to a drink. And, and she was like, oh, really? And I was like, yes. I was like, lots of young women now are expected to do anal on the first date. Yeah. And she was like, oh, my God. And kind of like, sh- like shocked and like shrieking and kind of laughing at the ridiculousness as well. And I said, so given the possibility for, you know, male violence, 
given the fact that people don't really think that a date is getting driven around in the passenger seat of a car by a stranger, why would women want to go on this many dates? And why would they be signing up for sex with someone you barely know when their expectations are to act out pornography? And also, like, when the Overton window of sexual politics is basically liberal versus conservative, which is all American politics in general, and I think has just become sexual politics. So when you make a criticism like, oh, but, like, is it really true that women want to be as promiscuous as men? People think that you're making, like, an appeal to women's purity or women are more prudish or it's because women actually want to be wives and mothers or something to that to that mm. effect. But it's like, no, it's, it's just a, a much more risky thing. Like, the threat of rape, like, you're... If you're a woman under the age of t- 25, like a man is the one of the reasons you're most likely to die a premature death. Also like pregnancy and having to deal with that. There's lots of reasons, like feminist reasons why women might be not wanting to have like... Just, STDs. Yeah, like not wanting to have sex. Well, the STDs they would say is a purity thing, but like... Why? Why? Because if they, a man's got an STD and he doesn't yeah. tell you, a yeah, lot of yeah, men yeah. that I know will not wear a condom, but they'll say, I right. check she's on birth control. Yeah, yeah. That's well, that thing. is not an STD clinic certificate that was last week. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's like, it's just this narrowing of things when you're like, basically there's a way to be critical of like sex positive hookup culture in a way that is like feminist. People just cannot believe it. Yeah. And I think there's a real investment in, like, narrowing the terms of the debate to the liberal v. conservative, well, basically. It's, it's like what Chomsky said when he was like, yeah. it's not that there's censorship in the media, it's yeah. that you narrow the debate so, uh, like, closely, you narrow it down so much that if you don't fit into that, you won't be there. You define the terms in such a way that, like, criticism from outside of those terms cannot be heard. Yeah. And this in this way, you control the narrative. Yeah. Basically. And I don't think that there is a natural way that men or women relate to sex or Mm. want to have sex in terms of partners. No. But it's very clear that sexuality develops in an ideologically bound society. Right. And that you have a development within that society as you get older. And I think that other than the only argument I've heard that was at all convincing was that to penetrate someone is a lot less personal than to be penetrated. Yeah. And I thought, okay, yeah, that's probably true. And so that's why men maybe are more up for doing that with someone they've just met than women. But my real understanding is socialization. And I, but I do think that often the way that women will explain, which is right, which is that women want the relationship men want the sex mm. and there's a kind of trade-off of course though that is like maybe like on average if you have to put which one you would you're really in it for it's not that men don't want relationships many do it's not like women don't want sex many do but in terms of priorities or why you're seeking out an intimate partner in the first place and i also just think like we can look at the behavior of men and women amongst one another look at the way lesbians and gay men yeah. Behave completely differently sexually. Totally differently. That's like a cons that's the concentration of the group. The group is not being mediated by the other group. Right. So what do lesbians want? Well, the classic tropes are moving um, in very early. Moving in very early because they want to be domestic, <laughs> like long lovemaking sessions or whatever. Uh nothing like just a quick shag. Um, endless conversation. And basically 
it kind of gets to the point where it's like enmeshing, starting to wear one another's clothes, get each other's haircuts, like, you know, please God stop before the name tattoos, moving 400 miles to be with them after one month. Like these are real, like yeah. genuinely these are like, this is not uncommon, this kind of behavior. It's very clear that they're invested in the relationship, yeah. highly invested. If we look at gay men's behavior, again, this is just a kind of average, there'll be exceptions, but it does tilt towards um, being more inclined and more to tolerating more and wanting more sex with people that you don't know very well. Every gay man I've ever met has gone cruising, not mm. just once, habitually. Yeah. yeah. And I think that if there was, you know... Open relationships are very common with gay men. Open relationships yeah, as are. well. But I think that if there was a park set up in London that mm. said to straight men, there's straight women in that park that want to fuck, men would be roving around it tonight. Yeah. I don't think gay men are very different to straight men. No. So that idea of cruising areas in parks or wherever else, I'm not surprised by it. I think that straight men would be doing that if they could. They just can't find any female participants for the reasons we've said. Yeah, it's not being mediated. I think that's a good way to good way of putting it. And I think the problem is with the red pill stuff and this like narrowing of the debate between liberal versus conservative basically is that the red pill people always have like an appeal to naturalism or biologism. Like they'll make, they'll make arguments from evolutionary psychology or evolutionary, evolutionary sciences to say that this is the way things should be in like a kind of um, normative sort of way. Like this is what, is most optimal, they're, they're, you know, that sort of thing. And we're not making an argument about how things should be. We're making an argument about how things are. And that it's not natural and it could be completely different be in completely a different, different society. And I was reading more from that Angela Saini book, um, Inferior. She spoke to, there's a feminist primatologist called, I think her name is Sarah, Sarah Hurdy. And she, the whole thing about primatology was, oh, and, and anthropology was, oh, men are hunters and women are gatherers, and that's why men, through the experience of the hunt and going out and conquering things, and this is how human creativity was created, this is how human advancement was created, it was all through this, like, hunter process, that men are, like, naturally promiscuous and need to spread their seed as much as possible, and that's what it should be that way because, you know, that's better for us evolutionarily. And she did some studies on Langer monkeys and found that actually, um, even with this thing of securing paternity, if you're a Langer monkey and you have um, babies with multiple fathers to the point where you can't tell which child is the belongs to which father, it actually reduces the 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 level of infanticide. Right. Then, then the male monkeys are less likely to kill any of the children because they don't know which one's mine and which one's his. Mm. So, in this way, not securing paternity can be evolutionary, evolutionarily advantageous. You can say it's natural, and you could say that it's natural. Yeah. You know. So it's not. We're not making a normative statement no, about how things should be. They're totally selective about which examples yeah. from nature they, they will pull. Yeah. No animals get married. But we've yeah. invented marriage, and all of the red pill bros now are like, get married. Yeah. Stop watching porn, stop finding sex on dating apps, commit to one woman, get married, be a father, be the ultimate patriarch. Yeah. We could go, oh, but the animals aren't marrying. 
Yeah. You know, so this idea that, like, obviously we've invented social institutions for all kinds of things. I do get the argument that in the past, pre-DNA, so paternity testing was invented in about 2003. Right. Before that, you know, only 50 years ago was the mass production of contraception that women could take. Mm -hmm. I do understand that 100 years ago, if you were a woman that had a baby out of wedlock, you were cast out. Yeah. Like that was it for you. I mean, I don't know how those women really survived. I imagine that their kids went to the orphanage and they died on the road or whatever. But you were at that point shunned by your family, your village, society, whatever. And often you'd have to go into prostitution. Mm. You certainly would find it very difficult to find a husband to be respectable again and, and whatever. And he'd provide for you. So I understand that to a certain extent, I remember a male friend of mine explaining why he's happy to pay on dates. And he just said, look, you know, it's hard to change this culture when for a few hundred years, women were trying to check whether men were really invested before sleeping with them. And a way to do that is get them to make an actual investment financially. Mm. And then you think, well, he spent a thousand pounds or in the past 10 shillings, whatever it was. So if we have sex and I get pregnant... He's not going to abandon me because he's clearly invested. He literally made an investment. Yeah. And I think that's what like the female dating strategies podcast women say. Well, I think for for them, it's to check. Is he actually interested? Will he wait six months to have sex with me? Because if he doesn't, if he won't wait that long, he's clearly not interested in a long term relationship that leads to marriage. And I'm looking for marriage. That's their advice is women who are seeking marriage. Six months. That's a long time. It is a long time. Good luck getting lesbians to wait that long. Yeah, jeez. That's a very long time. <laughs> um, but I feel like I, I get that the root of that was in the basics of sexual reproduction, right? Mm-hmm. That a woman could become pregnant and then socially she was fucked. Like yeah. her life was fucked. So there's nothing actually there that's in, like inherent in getting pregnant that then means your social downfall. But that's the way it's been set up since, say, early capitalism, which yeah. is probably the epoch which influences us or, most now. Or class society. Class society, I think. Because yeah. the, langer, the langer monkeys don't have class society. But do you, you think know? it's been that, like, thousands of years? Yeah, like yeah. pre-feudalism, like after hunter-gatherer times. Okay. Yeah. Well, where, Okay, yeah, fine. But I think that... Like, that's not making a naturalist argument that's saying that there is this natural process of sexual reproduction that happens. This isn't the only way to have kids anymore, but this is the way that a lot of people do it. And that in the past, the possibility of pregnancy, the same way that patriarchy was constructed because of paternity, mm. that you needed to know if you really were the father of your children, so you kept your woman in for you know a year and you're like well i've only slept with her so the kids must be mine and apparently one of the people on the show that they had call in some like history professor said part of that was that if a woman had already slept with other men you would think there's more likelihood for her to cheat on me yeah and then my paternity wouldn't be secured yeah and i think there are some studies that the red pill bros use that say that if you know the higher a person's body count is the more likely they are to cheat yeah, something like this. they say that. So I do get that all of this at the start was based around sexual reproduction, but we could all, we we can and we have organised our society in such a way that none of this is necessary now. Well, yeah, and it's just like the problems that came about because of functionalism 
and functionalism was really popular during the um, development of anthropology and it was really popular like in the early 19th century so it became if a thing is functional in this particular way it ought to be that way yeah they refused to make like an is ought distinction well they thought of it like the body like you have lungs because they yeah are for your respiratory system and they send oxygen around your body and blah 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 or i think that's the heart that does that but, <laughs> but it's the idea I mean. that this is like very explanatory for human behavior like i just people do things that impede their evolutionary survival that make no sense whatsoever that you know a very high level like i don't know hindu cults in india where people have their arm above their head for for their entire lives until their arm falls off. Another example I can think of specific to reproduction, um, Angela Saini talks about in her book, was it was very common in French society for very many years to send your children, if you were a bourgeois woman, to a wet nurse, or even if you were a working class woman, to a wet nurse. So basically you would have the kid and then you'd give it to a woman whose profession was to lactate and feed babies. This was disastrous for infant mortality because basically these women didn't really care about these children very much. They weren't their own children. They'd have many at one time. Mm. And something like 30% of children died. But this was considered the thing to do. So the idea that people only behave in ways that are advantageous for their survival is absolutely absurd. If that's the case, why is half of America obese? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why do people smoke cigarettes? Why do people, I don't know, spend a lot of their... why Why are people celibate? Why do people become priests and nuns and monks and... Why like, we it? have higher yeah. level ideology than just like, oh, I should not die. <laughs> yes. Even the idea that a lot of men now, according to the statistics, one in three men in the US under 30, between 18 and 30, hasn't had sex in the last two years. It's clear that they're not adopting the behaviours that even give them sexual access, like being nice to a woman on a date or whatever it is. But it's even the idea that even if it were the case that we had some innate drive to do things that were advantageous for our survival that completely, and this innate drive completely superseded ideology, socialization, the unconscious, politics, society at large. That doesn't mean that that impulse is necessarily moral or ethical. Mm. One can make the argument that rape is very um, advantageous for men. For the survival of the species. For, for the survival of the species. But yeah, that is you know? what Brett Weinstein said on Joe Rogan, because he's an evolutionary psychologist. Is he an evolutionary psychologist? Yes. Oh, I thought he had some kind of other biological thing. No, he's a massive evolutionary psychologist. And, you know, he put it in a sensible way. He said, I'm not condoning this, but that's why rape exists. But, like, okay, but then, but then they, so they can acknowledge that this imaginary evolutionary drive that makes people only do things for their, the best of their survival can produce um, outcomes that are immoral or unethical, but then why do they use it as a as this is a model for how society well, should be? Well, he wasn't. The red pill bros might be, and that's why they say women need to get married. And again, it's that thing of attach yourself to a man and then you won't get raped by lots of men. It's almost like, you know, Andrea Dworkin without... But Dworkin doesn't have the, conclu- the solution that they do. Yeah, but, I mean, I, but, but does I, he make a, a significant enough... N- effort to distinguish those things well, the point. well i don't know probably not but the point is the idea like it's so um strange this idea that like we should look at ducks 
and animals are like raccoons. It's like raccoons have mating seasons. When was the last time a, a human had a mating season? We can just look at human beings for fuck's sake. We can look at the world we live in, the way things are organised, the way things have changed and shifted culturally over time. You know, and it, it was, yeah, this whole thing around kind of body count. It so signals the kind of death of sex positivity, I think, chiefly for me. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that a lot of women are realizing they were they were very much lied to. Like all those middle class women who joined like OnlyFans over the pandemic, kind of fully believing this horse shit that men loved it and it was wonderful and there would be no negative repercussions for it, are now quickly realizing, you know, you'll see a woman with like a viral tweet about, I don't know, her crocheting hobby or something. And some man will be in the reply being like, oh, you're only worth $15 a month. Mm. Like this idea that like this was going to work out for anyone. It's just the absolute naivety that women have about men. Yeah, they do. Massive naivety. I don't know when it sort of peels away. I think it's around 30. I think it's after a bad experience. Yeah. Or after children often. Well, that's usually the bad experience. Because then the children kind of puts you in a place where you're a bit more vulnerable. Well, having children with the wrong man. Yeah, yeah. So Lauren Southern, for example, is now says, I used to consider myself one of the boys. Yeah. I was really foolish. I didn't know anything. And it's because she had kids before 28. Yeah. With the wrong guy. Yeah, sounds like it. So... But yeah, I feel like, look, I should also say, I actually think that there is a bit of an argument around body count. I think that being sexually inexperienced is generally a bad thing. I wouldn't want a partner that had not slept with many, like if they'd only slept with a couple of people of my sex. So if I'm looking for a woman, I would definitely prefer her to have slept with more than a few women. Because then it means they kind of know what they're doing. There's some experience there. And you're not just the person who's the introduction to things. And lesbians are so often used as a sexual experience. Yeah, that's a thing. So for yeah. me, <laughs> people say like, oh, you know, a body count of five or less. I'm like, body count of three or more, please. <laughs> yeah. I think this is very much a lesbian thing. And I think a lot of lesbians are like happy to like do that. Ooh, I'll be your sexual experience. Bisexual, read straight woman. Um, for however many times and then get burned by that very very quickly and kind of stop doing it yeah yeah so but i i wonder i do think surely it would work the same way for men and women apart from i guess men sometimes just expect women to lie there and it's this like fantasy about deflowering a virgin that's the only way i could think that they wouldn't want a woman that had a bit of sexual experience at least i think it has to do with jealousy i think they get like there's a word for it it's like retrospective jealousy or something Okay. And I think it really drives them crazy. That she's been with other men. Yeah. I think so. That's what they say on the podcasts. But even if the woman's like, oh, I don't like him anymore. And, you know, he was a bad guy and I don't love him. And yeah. Sounds like it, at least. Well, men need to get over their, like, neuroticism about intra-male competition. I think it's the idea that, I mean, this is like a very Oedipal Freudian explanation, but... Mummy is my special mummy, mm. and I only, you know, I'm her only best boy sort of thing. I can understand you not wanting to get with someone who has slept with your exes or friends. But by the way, this is what lesbians do a lot. All the time. All the time. But I, I'm against that. I do remember noticing that the lesbian scene, 
when I was more into it in the late 2000s. I, it was really incestuous. That's literally what I called it. This idea yeah. of sleeping, you know, siblings sleeping together or um, family members, whatever. And I, I didn't like that. And I was like, this is a bit of a fuck circuit. And I don't like that people that I've been with then getting together. It just made me feel a bit like icky. I think that's genuinely why a lot of lesbians end up moving to major cities because they just sleep with all the lesbians in their particular town or whatever. I've even heard from women who are in like mid-sized cities who are like, yeah, like I either I've slept <laughs> with her or I've slept with her ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just not very many of us. No. No. And that's not because I imagine oh, someone else has had you. It's that I kind of want like a clean break and I don't yeah. want to be involved with anyone else, even by proxy. <sighs> yeah. And I don't want that like baggage. But yeah, I don't mean baggage in the way that red pill bros mean it. Well, it just means it's like, oh, like, oh, but you're best friends with Sarah and Sarah's my ex, but maybe I still have feelings for Sarah. Maybe I don't. And Sarah mentions to you like, oh, I think it's really great that you're with Kelly now, but sometimes I still think about her. And then you're like, but you're my best friend. And then Kelly's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And it just becomes like this, like, but I, fuck no, of but I wouldn't mind being a, with a woman who was best friends with their ex. No, your best friends. But I'm saying like, it all often ends up in these cluster things oh, where it's right. like your current girlfriend's ex-girlfriend is your best friend who you slept with once but then you have complicated feelings towards her <laughs> with the th- and then you know your girlfriend okay. remember and then you have you're kind of like what do they call it eskimo brothers or something and like mm. it's very strange and weird and yeah i don't know i think I don't, i'm someone that doesn't feel envy very easily and I would walk away from anything that made me feel at all like that. Yeah. Whereas I think partly sometimes women, it's a bit of a masochism thing where they kind of live with that. And then they they just continue the rivalry. Like it's meant to be though, one of the worst things you can do to a man is sleep with his like brother or best friend. Yeah. yeah. And the way that it was interesting, like <laughs> I won't say where I got this example from, but it's like a left-wing podcaster. <laughs> God. And he said... If a man cheats, it doesn't mean anything because she won't mean anything to him and you can just have a pizza and feel better about it. If a woman cheats, she's made another man the king. And at first I thought, is this the idea that a woman has lots of sexual power and that you can make the man the king as if you're the queen? But actually, I think it's the other way around, which is just like the man who gets you has gazumped the other man and, like, he's the king now in this weird made-up scenario. It seems like for a lot of men, they think of, like, sexual conquest. They think of it as a conquest and they yeah. almost seem seem to think, like, intercourse is something like worship. Right. Like, she has worshipped him or something. Is there, like, a... <laughs> I think... I don't know, like, you're the Freudian, but, like, it just seems like... Does it have to do with, like, mommy doesn't think I'm special anymore? <sighs> Freud does not take on any of this bullshit. Yeah. There's stuff about envy, but it's not really to do with sexual envy. But men, I just, yeah, this thing of, like, the word king is so evocative. Yeah. Like, king. Like, oh, that's like a word people use for, like, head of state or, like, king of the universe. That you're the most superior human being. Yeah. Like, just one before God. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, it's just, it's a God-given thing that's, like, you can't earn it, but you just have it apropos of being you. There's like mm. a mythical element to it. It's like really, I could, I would never feel like a king. 
Yeah. Or queen after sleeping. Another thing this liberal feminist said on Radio 4, she said, every woman I know keeps a list of all the names of all the people that she slept with on her phone. They love this. The liberal feminists love this stuff. What is it about? I believe that is an outright lie. Of course. I have never met a single woman who has kept a record of who she slept with on her phone. I don't know very many women who keep a record of it in their head. Yeah. Yeah. Or think about it like that. They don't see it as... It's like they want to collapse. They think... They get really offended. You also see this come up in the trans debate. They get really offended when you suggest that male pattern sexual behavior is different in any way to female pattern sexual behavior. They Mm. do not like it at all. Is that... I guess that's about pretending we already have equality and we're all the same. It's all about equality. They love this. And for them, equality means, like, identical... Like, the same as. Yeah. There's no such thing as, like, equal and, like, dignity. And, well, that's what's, that's why they get so angry if you bring up the orgasm gap. Because you go, okay, so women are just out there having as much sex as men, but they're not enjoying it as much, so why would they be doing that? Yeah, exactly. And then when you bring up the studies about the orgasm gap, particularly prevalent when it's casual sex. Yeah. They just sort of go, oh, that's not my experience. It's like, I'm an exception. It's just the right-wing woman. I'm an exception to all that. Yeah, yeah. They have their own version of I'm the exception thing. And so it was funny because in public, you're all exceptions. In private, you can't stop talking about how bad it is (laughs) to have casual sex with men. Yeah, to us, to to lesbians lesbians. behind closed doors. It's about 18 different ways in which it was horrible and you, you, in fact, need to go to therapy to get over it. Yeah. But then at some point I start thinking, like, are they lying to us or lying to them? Like, what? Oh, they're de- I, they're definitely lying to their friends because it's about intra- straight intra-competition. Mm. All the time my heterosexual female friends will say to me, oh, my boyfriend, he's, I don't know, not that great in this way. Okay, but otherwise he seems like a nice guy and you like him and he seems yeah. to vaguely care about you. Go, oh, but my friend's boyfriend is a prince. And treats her like a queen. And I'm like, this is not true. This is what she tells you. And sometimes straight women do this thing at like feminist things, or if they know that you're a feminist or know who you are, they'll be like, I still shave my legs. Isn't that bad? And you're like, I don't give a fuck. Like, who? why are you telling me this? Yeah. That it's, sort of thing happens to me. And I'm like, I do not care. It's, it's, the, it's the pretense of conformity as rebellion. So they'd like it if it was that they could have the rebellion cookies of like, hee hee, aren't I naughty? Whilst actually being a total conformist. Yeah, because I don't care about that. And then, but also like, what is the response you want me to give you? Like, you're a really bad girl. I'd never say that because I'm a fuck. But that would get me in trouble because then I'd be the horrible lesbian separatist demon dyke if I said that. Yeah. So like, not that I would, but like, I, I, I can't say that. Then also, if I say, oh, it's not a big deal, and people go, oh, she doesn't really believe what she says. So it's like, why are you you saying this? What am I supposed to say to you when you make these kind of comments? It's meant to be maybe banter based on a very sort of, you know, very slim provocation. Yeah. So like banter. But I also think it's meant to be this idea that you'll have a conversation with them about it and they get to speak about their body because women love talking about their bodies. Right, right. Okay. And they get to go like, I'm working on it. And you'll go, yes, darling, that's fine. But I do, I don't believe in lifestyle politics. No. I don't, I don't care. Like, I really do not care. No, I have a friend, a good friend, actually, who is pretty promiscuous. Yeah. And goes around the world pretty much sleeping with different men. 
And only when it becomes a relationship that's sometimes not great and then she asks me for advice and I'll give her some sensible, sane advice. And uh, But I'm never like, oh, why are you doing that? <laughs> why are you sleeping with dozens of men all over the world? Why would I care, really, as long as she's safe and all right? There's a bit of that dynamic and straight women are starting to notice it too and talk about it more online of like a woman who's in like a bad relationship or like has complaints or grievances about whatever man she's with and she'll go around burning out every single person in her friend group complaining about it. Mm-hmm. And they'll have endless conversations and the friend will go, oh, you should leave. And she'll go, yeah, yeah, I'll leave, I'll leave. And then they never do. And they just continue the cycle until they have no friends left. Yeah. That's the thing people are starting to talk about online more. And like sometimes these TikToks will go viral of women being really poorly treated by their husbands and they'll be like making jokes about it. And then I saw a quote tweet that was just like, oh, women just do this as like a way to get sympathy and attention, but they have no intention of leaving them. And I was like, oh, is this like a feminist account? It's not. Like a lot of people are starting to notice this sort of thing. Mm. Because it's true. It's really, really, like, a difficult position to be in. I don't think men talk to other men about their relationships. No, I watched a podcast the other day where a man said, I'm really, I find, I think it's kind of cool when my my good friends forget my wife's name. Like, I like that. Why does he like that? Because I guess it's like, I don't know. He was like, oh, but you know when, like, you're talking to your friend and you've known them for five years and for a second they, like, they forget your wife's name. Does it show, like, how independent he is? Yeah, I guess so. Or that she's so secondary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Or, like, we just have this realm with the boys. To be so away from women. My male friends are all quite alpha males (laughs) for various reasons. And so I think the take I get anyway is quite the, the, the macho alpha male take. But some of them will say that they'll be hanging out with the boys, you know, whatever, doing something. And then if one of them starts speaking about problems with his wife, the others will say, don't speak to us about that. Yeah. Like, that's not for now, or that's not for here. Because you know how that thing... It's a bit like, you know how socialists will say, like, no one has class solidarity like the ruling class? Mm. Or no one has class solidarity like the bourgeoisie? I think men really put a lot of effort into protecting their male-only things. Yeah. And male-only spaces. That's what Gamergate was all about. Like, how dare you infringe on this, like, male thing? Like, space, even just online. Yeah, yeah. like, meta space. Yeah, like, this male activity that is video games that so many of us, like, anti-social men are really into. Like, how dare you even, like, write an article having an opinion about a game if you're a woman? Like, they have total solidarity with each other about it. Oh, no women can go into a barbershop. It's impossible. No, yeah, you can There's male gyms, by the way, in this, like, in our area. Is there? There's male gyms everywhere. There's not women, any women's gyms. They don't bother advertising them because they already have enough men going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, men's spaces are, they do a lot to, like, and to be fair, I... I wonder if they, some of them don't want to speak about, you know, their male friend's relationship problems because it's about protecting his ego or something. I think it's, like, don't bring that kind of we're here having a good time and you're bringing up this like weepy thing that we have to hear about for our wives all the time anyway we have to hear about her emotional problems and her things and whatever's going on with the kids and whatever drama is happening at school i have to hear that from my wife i'm here to watch football i'm here to go to the gym i'm here to get my hair cut well it's also it's also bringing up a woman in a male space yeah yeah which might itself be considered incendiary and in some countries it's considered like um defrauding and like against their moral codes to like mention the name of it. like a woman will be son mother of or daughter of 
Like, mm. you can't say a woman's first name in, like, Yemen. Yeah. It's, like, not allowed. It's rude to ask what's your mother's name or yeah, what's your wife's she'll name. she'll be, what is it, Um Muhammad or whatever. Yeah. Rather than, her, rather than whatever her name is, whatever her first, like, given name is. Yeah. So, that is a bit of a thing. Yeah. Do you think there's anything wrong with a high or low body count? Because I think there's something I would I don't like a low body count. Like for a lesbian partner? Yeah, I'd prefer if they'd slept with at least a couple. Yeah, I think there's like a sweet spot, but I don't care that much either way, to be honest. I wouldn't stop me being interested in someone, but I would prefer that. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I think, yeah, for me, it's like I want two years as out being a lesbian. Right. And having lesbian experiences, if that means you've had one girlfriend for two years, I wouldn't care. But like, I, I do, I have, I have had a two year rule that's mm. never really failed me. So. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how gay men feel about it. it. I'd assume they don't care either way at all. That would be my speculation. I think some of them quite like the idea of sleeping with bisexual men. Okay. It seems to be a thing that they like. Oh, actually, that's what the fake dating coach came up with on radio four is he said women claim they don't care about a man's social history until the man discloses that he's had sex with another man yeah that's a thing that like i think i see the black community in particular arguing a lot about on on twitter like the african-american community what is that about is that that he might secretly be gay i just think it puts some women off i just think they, they, they just get, they, just they, get they, the they, they get the ick they're not attracted anymore which i think mm. you know i mean could we get into their you know, proverbial knickers, their knickers of their brain and go, mm, that's prejudice, maybe, but that's their right, really. They can sleep with whoever they want. Yeah. I wonder if it would make a difference. I think that some men would assume it would make a difference to a woman as to whether they fucked or took it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think from what I've read, it's kind of a both Yeah. situation where it puts, I think, and it's a discourse in the black community. I'm not sure why exactly, but that's just what I've observed. In America. Yeah. Well, it's because a lot of black men in America are on the DL. Yeah, there's a lot of on They're the DL. They're on the down low. Yeah. And the way that you can stay on the down low is you get a wife and kids. Right. No one can really call you gay then. Yeah, yeah. You just meet guys in hotels. Right. It's quite straightforward. Yeah. You know? There's a lot of a lot more people. I think straight people have the impression that like every gay person is now out and we live in, like, a post-gay rights world. And in some ways, that's very true. Like, obviously, there's no comparison whatsoever. It's between... a lot better than it was even 15 years ago. 100%, totally. But there are still a lot of people on the DL. A lot. A lot of a men lot. and women. A lot of men and women. Yeah. There are still a lot. People that you would not expect. Yeah. That you that seem very forthright and strong and good on gay rights or good on feminism. Yeah, yeah. Like, people, not, like, reactionary conservatives either, like... There's just a lot of people who are in, like, lavender marriage situations or have understandings or, or like, this, like, man or woman is, like, my life partner and we raise kids together, but I, you know, get my sexual things outside of the marriage, whatever. That definitely is a thing. Yeah. I think it comes from ideologically being unwilling to be with, to be gay. For men, I think it's about being ideologically unwilling. They don't, you know, maybe their family would disapprove. They don't want to have to explain it to anybody. But for women, from what I can tell, it's overwhelmingly either they don't want to leave their family because they yeah. care about the kids or it's I do fancy women, but I don't want to be with the inferior sex. And they believe women are the inferior sex. Yeah, they've internalized those values. They happen yeah. to be of the inferior sex, but they will always attach themselves 
to a man, but then they will only have sex with women outside the relationship. Yeah. That's a big common arrangement. It is, yeah. So I don't know. I don't think the body count thing will go away. No, and I also think it's a way of... Basically, we're in a position where a lot of men are realizing that the the scale in terms of leverage is really pointed towards women right now. Because there's a lot of men who are celibate, and there's a lot of women who are celibate, but who are very successful in their careers, have some pets, have some good friends, and report being very happy single. Not the same, not the case for men. And we know that men who are single die younger. Health outcomes are much worse, much more depressed, whatever. Whereas it doesn't seem to be quite as extreme for celibate women. Mm. And they're also realizing the leverage they had of material security. Marry me or you'll be homeless is no longer there. Yeah. So So I, I think that the body count, the whole term, the whole concept of it, it's just aimed really at women. Unless it's a way a, to even the scales. That's unless, what they're saying. Yeah, yeah, but unless a man's a virgin, he's fine. You'll get fun of you'll get made fun of as a virgin. Yeah. But as long as you're not a virgin it, as a man, it's okay. But I think it's all about so for now, men are feeling like embarrassed and ashamed that women are like, Yeah, you you know, I'm single, but I own my own house, I have a great group of friends, I have some pets, I have hobbies, I'm perfectly happy and they can go oh and burning with rage thinking oh but i'm celibate and i'm happy and then they get to go in but you're disgusting you have a high body count it's a way of trying to inflict yeah. shame basically but i also think it's kind of has a function in that they're trying to shame women now that are quite like young to yeah. no longer um even bother with promiscuity because those women are not having sex with those guys. You know, there's this bottleneck now at the top where 10% of the men are getting all of the women. Right. So it's not working out for the majority of of men. Even the women that are promiscuous aren't going for them. So it's a way to say to a woman, you need to attach yourself to one man and that's effectively marriage. You can either be like a lonely lesbian with your cats, which is what they think celibacy is, Mm. or you need to get married and yeah. probably young. And then, and that at least gives one woman to one man. Right. Cause right now there's a lot of men that just are not managing to be sexually, sexually successful with women. Yeah. And the other thing is the eggs thing. They want women to believe that like, if you haven't had a kid by 30, it's over. Yeah. 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 I also think that overall it's about getting women to lower their standards. Yes. And that's also a thing. Cause women just have much higher standards. Yeah. If you have a successful career with a mean income of the people in your area. Maybe you own your own home, you know, got lots of nice things in your life. You're going to have pretty high standards. For who's going to improve my life would yeah. have to be of quite high value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, well, that's what those podcasts are where there is like, you know, two or three bros and then they bring on like a half a dozen very conventionally attractive women and they say what do you want and the woman tends to say look i'll be nice i don't want i don't need 100k a year that that's his income but like at least 80k a year so mm-hmm. for, in american dollars that's like 50 grand right, right. which is uh, if you earn over 50 grand in the uk you're in the top 10 percent income bracket yeah they say that i want a man who's at least five foot ten it's just average height yeah a man that's at least five foot ten doesn't already have kids and hasn't already been married wants to get married isn't obese, uh, you know, no addictions and whatever, that's it. Debt. Sometimes they bring up debt. Sometimes they bring up, yeah, no, but the income probably means no debt unless yeah. he's a 
yeah, a gambler yeah. or something. Yeah. So they kind of want this particular standard. And then what those bros always do is they do a calculation. They say, well, you know, that's only 1.5% of men. Yeah. And the idea is to try and collectively get women to lower our standards. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's... Because a lot of it. women, and this is on, yeah, female dating strategy, they'll say, well, I'll be celibate unless I meet a high-value man or a man that meets my standards. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that you've hit the nail on the head there. And and it's an interesting... And, you know, this is why I'm... Well, maybe we'll do... I'm going to write an article, hopefully, now that I've said on the podcast, I have to do it. I'll write an article on, on the woman question about dual dual model. Maybe we'll talk more about it. This is why I'm con- continually convinced that capitalism and patriarchy are not one cohesive system. Because there are often times when the mechanisms of capitalism um, and, you know, what's going on with production undermines patriarchy and the patriarchal family structure. And I think we're living in one of those times now where a lot of men um, don't have either, you know, they're antisocial, out of pornography, addiction, um, maladjusted, whatever, but often literally do not have the uh, material um resources to to start a family mm. so there's a lot of shame about that as well so you have these women who you think oh i'd sleep with her and she goes i want a man on 80k and you're like oh fuck i make 30 grand if if i'm lucky this year or whatever um so i think it's also about yeah trying to lower the standards to kind of where the median wages you know yeah, yeah. and so then it so that every man has a woman yeah. or has sexual access because yeah. in the past there was more sexual access. Yeah. And I just think that that is sort of decreasing now to such an extent. I used to listen to true crime podcasts and this is before it be kind of became really ubiquitous. Maybe like 2012 to 2016, I used to listen to true crime podcasts and there would be a point where the serial killer would be caught once torturing someone, raping a woman doing indecent exposure, whatever. He'd go to prison, he'd get out for 10 years, and then they'd get married. He'd get married. And the host would always be like, how did this guy get a wife? Like, what the fuck? Like, been in prison, antisocial, psychopath, whatever. And it's just like, just at one time, mm. it's just what you did, and everyone got married. Yeah. And I think you just married the man who was, like, nice to you from your high school class. Yeah. You'd marry the first man you dated. Oh, yeah, that was definitely the case for the generation above boomers and most boomers. Yeah, yeah. you. And I think, honestly, a lot of Gen X, you, I think they probably met them at university rather than high school. Right. But, yeah, first or second boyfriend, girlfriend, you'd get married. That was it. It's interesting because I think that's often the plan. I met my first girlfriend at school and we did plan to get old together and get married. And yeah. then I went off to university and met other people. But do you see what I mean? Yeah. Like, I guess in the past, there was just more of an emphasis on that, that was the norm. And so that was it. Yeah. Because a lot of people, most people didn't go to university back then. Yeah. So who did you meet? You just met the people that you grew up with at school yeah. and that were in your town. Yeah. Yeah. And things are a lot different now. So there we are. Anyway, oh, I just want to drop one statistic. It, on dating apps, it's 80% male. You know, it's so crazy. I'm seeing all these Tinder ads on like YouTube, Instagram, TikTok aimed towards women, mm-hmm. trying to get women on Tinder. They cannot get women on. Well, this is the thing about liberal feminists as well. It's like if your theory is the case and women love like sucking 10 dicks a night and it's like their favorite thing in the world and they love it. Why is that the case? Like, why are there so few women on dating apps? 
Yeah. Like, what's your explanation for that? Yeah. (laughs) You know, there was a a dating app at one time created by some scammers that it was for people that were married to have affairs. Yeah, Ashley Madison. And then it turned out when they looked at the data that 90% of them were men and the other 10% were the male scammers. Right. (laughs) There were no women on that dating app. Yeah. No women were looking to cheat through the dating app. And that's not because women don't cheat. I guess it's because they know how much more that would be looked down on. Yeah. Yeah, well, and yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just not a thing. I think a woman might, like, fall in love with a co-worker or something, but you're not, you know. I love how Josh Duggar, who's now in prison for child pornography, that was one of his scandals, was being on that website. And he was working for um, the Family Research Council, which is, like, a super right-wing, anti-gay think tank in D.C. I'm so glad he's in prison. Mm. (laughs) Everyone should watch that documentary, Shiny Happy People. Yeah, it's very good. It's very good, yeah. All right, well, thank you for listening to our chat about body counts. Yes. I don't think I have any other points, do you? No, it's just, you know, sex positivity is over and... A lot of millennials, particularly elder millennials on the left, are going to cry and scream about it and really not know what to do. I just think it was so normative and so kind of... It was as solid as anything. Yeah. There was just was the, an unquestionable thing. The one thing, thing that is, has come from, is a product of sex positivity, is talking about sexual practices openly at all. Yeah. But now that open space is being used to say to women, what's your body count? Yeah, if yeah. If it's over five, no high-value man is going to be interested. Yeah. Because generally, you tend to not even ask your partner how many people have you slept with. I mean, you might, after things are established, you know, they're not going to take it the wrong way. You might have curiosity. I just don't care that much. No. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I've ever asked. I've no. had women offer the information generally because it's been in like the context of a discussion about this kind of thing. They they were making a point with it. It's also a thing that I saw them talking about on one podcast, like, oh, women love talking about their exes and men hate it and don't want to talk about it. It's this whole retrospective jealousy thing. That's true, apparently. I don't I that, I think that's an interesting topic of conversation. I'm really interested to know. Like how the you know my partner like developed yeah through that relationship and after and what they learned from it and how they kind of recognized things that were off or things that were really good or what they would do differently now like I think it's a good way for people to talk about themselves and it's also a bit of a check to see like you know are you a normal person yes yeah do you have like okay relationships with your exes and are yeah. you in contact and you know exactly probably wouldn't date someone if i didn't know that information oh i wouldn't date someone who didn't know any of their exes and slagged them off oh no i wouldn't no, never wouldn't. that's no, a wouldn't. huge red flag yeah yeah no it is yeah well that's the the normative the normal version of oh well, my exes are crazy it's like, well, if it just happens to be that all your exes are really terrible people and you are a victim of them, then I think you actually... It's also just a test. I mean, it's such a lesbian thing to say. Like, I'm sorry. Like, it's so funny, that one meme that was like, lesbian rela- lesbian arguments are so hard. I've ever tried to argue with someone who knows what an attachment style is. Yes. Or whatever. But, you know, it's also a test for me about, like, emotional intelligence. Like, can you self-reflect? And, Completely. You know. Yeah. Can you be self-critical? Can you reflect? And are you sort of curious or thoughtful 
even if you're not in contact, but about someone you did have a close relationship? Yeah. Or are you a black and white thinker that puts up a total guard? Yeah. Because yeah. I'm just aller- allergic to this type. Like, I'm not interested at all. So I think women, like, go to men trying to have these conversations for the reasons that both you and I want to have, would, would want to have these conversations with the prospective partner, and the men are just grossed out. They just find it repulsive. Mm. It is a thing, male jealousy. It has to It has to be an eatable thing. So the worst thing a woman could say to a man is, my ex was so much better than you in bed or something? I don't even know if it's that. I just think they just don't like hearing that. I think that because, I'm sorry, I mean, this is maybe piss people off, but the objectification thing. If you, if you're, if your partner is, if you're the woman you're with has a history and a past and other people, whatever, it kind of reveals her as a full subject. Right. And that, you know, she doesn't stop existing when you're out of the room. Right. You know? Yeah. But that's why I like to, when you get to know someone, it's nice to know about their lifespan. Yeah. And people and things that were important to them. And I'm much more interested in that than how many people they've had sex with in this like flattened out model of numbers. I might be like, how many people you have sex with that were important to you? But that would only be to be like, and why were they important? Well, this is what I don't understand about the body count question. If I was interested in a woman and she said she had a high body count, I would only be interested in what was going on in your life at the time. Yeah. Was it like, oh, you were traveling around Europe and, oh, you went to like a lesbian festival and, you know what I mean? Like, I'd be interested (laughs) in You clocked into triple digits at the lesbian festival. (laughs) Or or is it something like really negative? Like, oh, I had really low self-esteem and I was like experiencing like hypersexuality because of this or what? I'd be like, oh my God. I know some women that have used casual sex as a form of self-harm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like this. Like, I'd just, I'd just be curious about like the context of that. Or if they're like once with two people and they were like, oh, I was just with with someone for 10 years and whatever. I'd be like, oh, okay. Like, I, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I I only care about the circumstances in which all of this happened. But that's because I think of women as like full people. Well, you're interested in their subjectivity. Yeah. Like, I would be interested. Yeah. If someone said, oh, I've only slept with two people. I'd just be like, oh, why? And then maybe they'd say, well, I just have particular, I have high standards. Or they'd be like, oh, I, I find it hard to like, like people enough to want to do that. And I'd be like, yeah. oh, okay, I understand. It's like how Pete Buttigieg, you know, this guy, I don't even, I don't even know if I fully believe this, by the way. But he he's says... A, he was a candidate for... President. And Democrat nominee for president. Yeah. Yeah. And, he, and he's the mayor of Indianapolis and very likely a CIA agent. And anyway. Gay. And gay. And he's gay. He's a gay man, yeah. And people were saying he's not, apparently, some of the criticism was he's not gay enough because he's only been with one man his whole life. He stayed with his high school boyfriend and they're married now. So some gay men were like, he doesn't know anything about gay life. Well, first of all, that's a cover story. I was going to say, I don't believe it at all. No, just a lot of gay men have open relationships. They do. They do. This is what they tell me. And it's not like... I'm not being moralizing. They're about not. It. They're not in polyamorous relationships, but they have sex outside the relationship. They'll bring a guy home. Their partner will have sex with him too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe he'll stay. I, th- someone was telling me about this like street that their friend lives on in San Francisco. That's mainly gay men, and it's like an older gay couple with like a young man living with them, and they're just like he's living there with them. They're just having like a fuck fest. I mean, I don't care. Yeah, whatever. If it's interesting, it's fine. I think it's interesting that that's the way men act when they don't view each other as property. Yeah. They're totally fine with it. They are totally fine with it, yeah. It is really just... It is the woman's subjective experience. Well, it's it's women, yeah, and it's women as property. But my other thing about gay men is they often treat each other pretty badly. Yeah. From what I've been told by gay male friends. 
even you know things like sexual assault sexual violence um agreeing to like meet up and you're not really who you say you are like things going really dangerously and mm. like i had to go drive to pick up a gay male friend of mine in like 2014 because he they'd given him a date rape drug wow. in his drink and he recognized it because he'd taken it for recreational purposes previously the silly idiot but anyway he recognized th- that it was uh gbh or ghb whatever it's called and then he just was texting me being like jay jay that was my nickname from school jay he's like jay you gotta pick me up I'm doing his accent, <laughs> but he, he just actually texted it. He didn't call me. And I was like, bloody hell. And so I like got in my car and drove I'm, to I'm, King's Cross. I'm laughing because I haven't read the book and uh, maybe people will be upset that I'm referencing a right-wing author, but I'm like, oh, fuck. Um, Douglas Murray apparently writes in one of his books about this concept of the LGBT community and what nonsense it is mm-hmm. and how little the L, the G, and the B actually have with each other. And he was like, lesbians are like the scolding older sister mm-hmm. who's like prepared for the camping trip. And the gay men are just these like flailing little boys who like, <laughs> or something, some very funny turn of phrase. But but my point about gay men treating each other badly yeah. is they don't, they, straight men treat each other much better. Gay men don't really have solidarity with each other very much mm. because straight men's solidarity only exists over women. over women and in collaboration with one another. Well, it's like that Heidi Hartman who wrote this famous essay, like Marxism and Feminism, The Unhappy Marriage. She's like, well, well what is patriarchy? It's a system of, in, of, of, of relations between men. Um, it's, a, it's a system between men, but that facilitates dominance over women. Mm. So the system between men across races, class, whatever, that only exists to facilitate dominance over women. Yeah. And if yeah. you're a gay man that doesn't want that in your everyday life... Yeah, you don't, you don't have a spot for women in your life just because they're not there. And I, I think that... Yeah, I, and I have, like, yeah, lots of... I would say, like, 50% of my gay male friends have been, like, scammed and robbed by other gay men. Yeah. Just, like, crazy shit. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway... And the context is sexual. Obviously, I know that straight men burgle each other or have fights. Right. But in the sexual context. Yeah, yeah. And I don't have any problem with anyone having any kind of relationship structure that, you know, is not overtly harmful to vulnerable people or anything. No, but I don't think that those gay men that have open relationships are calling themselves a, thru- a thruple. No, no, no. They're just doing it. Yeah, they're just doing it. It's not an identity thing. It's not a look at me, aren't I, original and exciting thing. The only reason that heterosexuals have to come up with a fucking, like, rule book and they have, like, interviews with their prospective partners as if they're fucking, like, sexual HR or whatever mm. is because it's between men and women. Because mm. there isn't the solidarity between... There isn't this fraternity or this anything else and they have to mediate... The conflicts between men and women. You hear these polyamorous people speak, and it just sounds like a fucking nightmare. Yeah. They're like, I'm looking for someone on a Tuesday afternoon who's available for sexting and one date with sex per per week, but cannot conflate, cannot, um, you know, what's the word? I can't commit. No, um, can't, um... Merge. Nope. 
get in, get in the way of my oh, my right. other um, yeah. partner that I see on a Friday. So it has to be Saturday, Sunday, Monday, because I work Tuesday mornings and I see my husband on Wednesdays. But if we get really close, you also need to have a general meeting once a fortnight with me and my partner because yeah. he will want to meet you. And yeah, yeah. It's like, oh my God, are you looking for like a relationship or a full-time fucking job? It sounds like, it's just like, yeah, it's, it's commodifying... It's like the op- the opposite of any- anything that's like kind of noble and good about long-term relationships like self-sacrifice, empathy, caring about the other through difficult times, all of that stuff is just thrown out the window and it's oh, just completely. like how I can how can I use this person as like a consumable product yeah. after I just said I don't have a problem with any kind of <laughs> Well, you we know. do have a problem with that though. I do have a problem yeah. with that, yeah. I do have a problem with the polycule thing because of the way, with that label, the way it exists. I don't really care about gay men doing it who are just getting on with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, I don't, not really. So, and I think that, yeah, well, those people that are doing that, I'm looking for an extra partner or maybe a third partner or whatever, just assume they're losers with a lot of time. Or, or I think they're people, and this is another thing that I think is really significant, they're people that never actually reach emotional intimacy with anyone. Right. So they're constantly just looking for that initial excitement and that buzz you get when there's someone new. Mm. Whereas once you get past that, you can actually have this sort of like security and emotional intimacy. And I don't think they reach the emotional intimacy part because it's sort of like they claim that it does no damage to their original relationship to start having a loving relationship outside it. But it necessarily would if the first one was actually loving and they had emotional intimacy. But I think these people are immature perverts that don't ever actually get to a stage of emotional intimacy with anyone. You know that Destiny, Steven, Mm. gamer guy, he's like, oh yeah, no, it's horrible. I don't recommend it to anyone. He's like, they were like, oh, what do you do, Destiny? You sleep with... Both men and women, which I don't believe he sleeps with men. I think he has threesomes occasionally. But anyway, um, you sleep with men and women, you have this open... Would you promote that to other people? He's like, no. No, it's terrible. Well, he's also just sleeping. He's not having relationships. It's just that for women to sleep with you, you have to give them the illusion of the relationship. Yes. And I think he he just means he's not particularly bothered by his girlfriend having sex with other men. Oh, does she, is she, does she do that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they go on podcasts and talk about it and... He's like, oh yeah, six foot five NBA players rail my wife. I'm totally cool with it. I just think we might be getting off on it. Well, yeah, he's either a cook or just a weirdo or it's not true. This is the thing that with millennials, half of what they say about their sex life isn't true because they grew up where you were meant to hype your sexuality. I think he just might be an unusual man who genuinely doesn't mind. He has also married a a Swedish woman and they're just like very sexually egalitarian Okay. And I think that maybe he just thinks like this is n- this is no drama. When men like him say they're bisexual because they've had a threesome with another man, they're not having sex with the other man. No, I don't typically think it for a second. No. So, but I, I, but to my point, it's not that I think that he's a good man. I just think that he doesn't particularly care, and he has mm. like a you know a kind of a. Well, he's he's a very liberal. And yeah. He's called the omni liberal on Twitter. He yeah. has to say this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So. Anyway, thank you for listening. You. you don't need to tweet as your body count. <laughs> no, some don't. podcasts now discussing this are saying that. Tweet your body count. Show there's no shame. 562. <laughs> like, it's just ridiculous. Oh, that's ridiculous.
Ridiculous. I hate when boomers try and insert themselves into things, and you're like, just... You think it was boomers? From Channel 4, maybe? Or oh, sorry, Radio, Radio 4. 4. I don't know. I got the vibe she was a Gen X, because I think that they're the last that were real that was like sex positivity yeah had almost like it 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 started with the boomers but it got to everyone in gen x right yeah you know Mm -hmm. so maybe millennial who knows anyway all right thanks check us out on patreon and spotify and apple bye-bye bye-bye